I almost left STEM during grad school because I just wasn't feeling the support I needed, seeing the people I needed to see in certain positions. Um, but I'm glad I stuck with O-Rise because it did give me that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very important that while you're going through school and after school, while you're working is to create community so that things that are hard that can't really be changed, um, you still have that those people to fall back on. This is the O-Rise Featurecast. Join host Michael Holtz for conversations with O-Rise experts on STEM workforce development, scientific and technical reviews, and the evaluation of radiation exposure and environmental contamination. You'll also hear from O-Rise research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the O-Rise Featurecast. Welcome to the O-Rise Featurecast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, in the Communications and Marketing Department at the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education. And I'm really excited today to be joined by a new friend from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, talking about, as we love to do here on the Featurecast, about her experience as an O-Rise Fellow and her ambitions, how she got involved in science, all of those fun things. Um, so I'm thrilled to introduce Elisanette Lopez. Um, Elisanette, welcome to the Arise Futurecast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to talk about my journey. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. So first of all, you're an ORISE fellow working at the CDC. Talk a little bit about what your role is specifically. So I started out the CDC biorepository in November of 2020, which was the height of COVID. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a crazy time, a big transition for me coming from grad school, straight out of grad school. Uh, and I mostly worked with sample sessioning and disposition. Um, and then we also were preparing for our CAP inspection because we were CAP accredited. Okay. Um, so it was a very hectic time. And during that time, I started doing extra projects when I was out of the lab. Uh, and that included working with my now mentors in the DLS preparedness team. Okay. So now I work 100% with the DLS preparedness team um, with the National Laboratory Response System branch. And we mostly work on public and partner or private public partnerships um, during uh, public health emergencies uh, on the clinical laboratory testing. Gotcha. Okay. So I have to imagine <laughs> you start a role at the CDC at the height of a worldwide pandemic. Um, and you mentioned it was a crazy time. You had to have learned a lot on the fly though, I imagine. Yeah, I I joke about this a lot and say that I'm learning a lot of people are just winging it, and that's okay. Um, I thought I had to be like the perfect scientist, know everything, but you really do learn as you go. And like furthermore on that, when I started with the DLS preparedness team, we also had to respond to, it was COVID, a little bit of Ebola, and uh, MPOX all at the same time. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It was hectic. Um, but that's, I feel like I thrive in that kind of environment. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> that's helpful <laughs> when you're dealing with um, three sort of worldwide communicable diseases and yeah. <laughs> all of the things that come with that. Um, so have, has science always been an ambition for you? Is, is science something you've been interested in from a young age or did you come to it later? No, it's always been there. Um, I So I, we wrote a story with O-Rise, and if, you, if they published it, you'll see that there's a picture of seven-year-old Net with a, a title that says what I want to do when I become, like, when I grow up. And it does say scientists. Um, that part, I'm not exactly sure. It might have been the things I was exposed to, like Dexter's Laboratory. Mm -hmm. um, having Animal Planet, things like that. Just, I, I was one of those kids who liked to play outside in the dirt, look at nice. animals. And then um, while I was in elementary school, we actually did research projects. Okay. Um, so every year you got to pick a different animal or bug and do a little, a whole long research project on it. So I think that's where it came from. Awesome. So do you think childhood, Matt, would be proud of scientists today scientists Matt. definitely uh, so also cdc was always the dream um okay. i think in eighth grade i read world war z and i was like oh i want to be that guy that writes the report um that goes out there talks to people and so that's when i started looking into cdc um so yeah that's always <laughs> been on my mind now that i'm here i'm like oh, okay I thought it would take longer to get here, but here I am. <laughs> you read a book about a zombie apocalypse, and then you come to the exactly. CDC in the middle of what had to feel like sort of apocalyptic circumstances with everything that was going on. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> very surreal. Um, and like I said, I still can't believe I'm already here. That's awesome. I really love that. Um I know one of the hallmarks of the O'Rice Fellowship system is being mentored. Talk about the mentors that you've had, both where you are currently, but um, really throughout your life. How have mentors played a role in who Net is today? Uh, I take my mentors very seriously. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area, so it was hard to find people who looked like me that I could look up to. So sometimes it would just be like the older kids going down the same route, um, family members who I knew. Uh, most of my family members are first-generation college students. Okay. So I had that to look up to, including my parents. Um, and then once I got to undergrad, I had I had gone to a Hispanic-serving institution. So that was incredible to have this huge community of people that look like me, that were following some of the same uh, routes I wanted to go down. I never thought about grad school, didn't know that was really a thing until I went to undergrad and started joining organizations with older students who told me their plans of going. So that was really helpful for me. And then um, my, I think it was my sophomore year, I started volunteering for the Angelo State Natural History Collections. 
and I volunteered to do some uh, ornithology preparations. And the person who ran our collections, uh, Marcy Rivellis, uh, she became my mentor. I worked with her all my years of college until she actually left to go manage the CDC biorepository. Wow. So that was really cool for her, really cool for me to see her go. Um, mm -hmm. Both of us being like Texas girls, just loving science. Um, so that was really cool. And then by the time I got to grad school, I still reached out to Marcy every once in a while just to say hello, see what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I finished my thesis, she was like, hey, I think it'd be a good idea for you to apply to ORISE. And I was like, that's awesome. I will do it. Um, and I had been telling someone mm -hmm. that I wanted to go to the CDC, but I'm not sure how to get there. Uh, and I actually went to, um, I think it was a manners, it's minorities and agriculture, something, something. Um, at Oregon State, and they mentioned ORISE in one sentence on one slide, that was it. Uh, but from there, I went and did a little research, and I was like, okay, this could be a pathway for me. Right, and it got you straight into <laughs> your, kind of your dream day. Yeah. So, or and, at least your uh, dream organization. Yes, yes. and um, so I was very uh, excited to be working with Marcy again. She's a really great mentor. Um, Similar family backgrounds, which was really nice. Uh, and then also, once I started working with the other people at CBR, um, I was able to be mentored by them. And one of them, uh, Angela Butler, actually recommended me to Jasmine Chaitram, uh, who was their boss, and was like, hey, Nett's a great ORISE fellow if you need her. Um, I know you were looking for a new ORISE fellow, so... Um, if you're interested, we'll send you her in, uh, information. So that's when I started working with uh, the DLS preparedness team. And it was really awesome to be mentored by two women of color, mm -hmm. especially in like a STEM field. That's really important to me. Yeah, yeah. And now um, I work with her and Sean Courtney is my current mentor. And he's really great. He's very down to earth, tells it like it is and, uh, mentorship is so important to me, and I'm really glad I have good mentors. Have you, on the flip side of that, Matt, have you had the opportunity to mentor others? Um, maybe not directly, but I did help someone become an ORISE fellow, which was really okay. cool. Um, I had posted something on Instagram with a hashtag that said ORISE fellow, and that person actually reached out to me and was like, hey, um, can you tell me more about it? You look at my resume, etc. So we looked through it, got it polished up, and now she's also an ORISE fellow. Awesome. And then um, someone else reached out to me on LinkedIn and the same thing. He was not sure if he would take it or not. Um, and now he is their new ORISE fellow. So I do like mentoring. Um, I feel like I'm still early in my career, but far enough into this ORISE fellowship that I would be able to help mentor others. Awesome. Um, you said that you're early in your career. Long-term, what are you thinking career aspiration-wise? Where, where do you see yourself? You know, the classic question, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> I, I still see myself doing some kind of public service uh, position. I hope it's here at CDC. 
but I'm also open. I know I don't want to close any opportunities, any sure. doors, um, but hopefully CDC. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I know you, you've talked about this. We talked about this a little bit before we officially started. Um, you know, you're, you've been mentored by two women of color and I know representation certainly matters. It, it mattered, you know, for you growing up to be able to see people who look like you, who sound like you. Um, and I, I know how important that is just from other fellows that I've talked to. Talk about from your perspective, how important it is to see people um, that you can look up to because they look, they look like, they sound like, they come from the same kind of background that you do. Yeah, sometimes I think you just need an example um, to see like how far you can go. I think sometimes my purview is very narrow until I see, I go and listen to speakers or I join different clubs and they open up things for me that I just didn't know about before. Um, so I think that's really important. I think it's also really important to imagine yourself in other positions. And sometimes that can be hard if you don't see people that look like you. Um, I almost left STEM during grad school because I just wasn't feeling the support I needed seeing the people I needed to see in certain positions. Um, but I'm glad I stuck with O-Rise because it did give me that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very important that while you're going through school and after school, while you're working is to create community so that things that are hard that can't really be changed, um, you still have that those people to fall back on. So while I was an undergrad, I was in the Association of Mexican-American Students. I was um, the president, the historian, the secretary, different years. And then uh, now here at CDC, I'm part of UNIDOS, the Hispanic Latino employees at CDC and ATSDR. Mm -hmm. And that's been such a source of comfort for me to see these professionals who have been here 30 years plus, 20 years plus, 10 years plus, and, uh, hearing about their journeys through this, uh, this like their whole career. I don't know, seeing their career journeys has been really helpful for me too. Cause sometimes I'll have interviews with them and other people on my teams. I ask them how they got where they are, not necessarily what they're doing now, cause they might not align with what my skill sets are, but right. I just want to know their pathways. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now, you talk about you almost left STEM. What would you have done? What would, did you have any thought what that might look like? Um, so when I was in high school, I don't know why I didn't think about going to college. Um, I thought I was going to go to cosmetology school. Okay. Um, so that was on my mind in, until I started getting letters from colleges that were recruiting. And I was like, wow, there's like, so many schools, there's so many opportunities. I don't know what direction to take. Um, but once I started getting that, that made me want to pursue STEM. And I think my grad school experience was just uh, not exactly what I expected. And so I was not sure if I should stay, if this is somewhere I was wanted, if this was an area I could contribute to. Um, 
but I'm very glad I stuck it out and met people that did help me finish my uh, grad school experience. And then now I feel like that I'm here at CDC as an ORIS fellow, that I'm where I'm supposed to be. Awesome. That's great. Um, Nat, what about other family members? How do your how do your parents feel about where you are? Your you know your extended family. Um, do they look up to you as someone that they can follow in your footsteps? As you know, I'm, I'm imagining you know younger cousins and brothers and sisters. And yeah, I'm actually one of the younger cousins. Uh, my dad oh. is the youngest of eleven. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we're some of the youngest ones, but it it does strike me every time I get text messages from my aunts that are like, "Hey, have fun at this." My I went to my first uh, scientific conference, and they were like, "Have fun, learn a lot," and I that struck me at that time. That was like, "Wow, this is probably one of the first times on our side of the family where someone is going to something like this, that someone has these opportunities." Um, like I said, most of my family are, it's my aunts and uncles are first uh, first generation college students. It's still really important for me to continue my education and expanding my knowledge um, because it is still an example to my family members and they're all very proud. Uh, my grandparents did not get to finish elementary school. My grandmother made it to fourth grade, my grandfather both on my dad's side, only made it to sixth grade, but they wanted more education. So I was really lucky growing up that all my family members knew the importance of education okay. and very much encouraged us leaving the nest. And my dad always said, like, do better than we did. So I always try and lead with that. And um, I do look up to my mom a lot too. She is one of the first, her and her sisters were some of the first to go to college in their city. Okay. So I know that was such a big thing. That was back in the 70s, um, mm-hmm. being some of the first Hispanic women, Mexican women to go to college uh, was a very big deal back then. And she mm-hmm. also did not plan to go to college. She just had, um, I think the teacher was like, you should apply to this school. And she was like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure why not so why not yeah now she's a retired teacher she taught for over 30 years oh my gosh. um and yeah i look up to her a lot so you have i mean it sounds like on some level you have an entire family of mentors who've got you know a, a mom and dad who are like education is critical and aunts and uncles and cousins who um support you i love i love the the image of you getting texts while you're at a scientific conference and the support from your family for yeah um, i and i think that was really important to me because sometimes i'm like oh well my aunt already did like her master's in this or that so what i'm doing is not that special uh but that showed me like it is like we still work so hard to get here I shouldn't minimize that. I know how hard it was to get through undergrad, grad school, um, and to be where I'm at. Not not everyone can say they, they work at the CDC, uh, that they finished their master's uh, before they were 25. Like, um, So it's, it's really important to me to 
remember my roots, where I came from, and to put that puts in perspective for me. Right, absolutely. I love that. Um, it sounds like with all of this amazing support, though, you know, I imagine there have been obstacles along the way, and I know we've talked a little bit about um, your your almost decision, right, not to, <laughs> to, to sort of drop out of STEM. Um, are there other obstacles that you can point to that you've overcome to get to where you are? Uh, family is really important to me. So to go to grad school across the country and be 24 hours away from family, and then now to be like 14 hours away or like 12 hours away from family, that part is really hard. Um, yeah. Especially like coming from our close knit family, mm-hmm. not being able to see them for like the last, oof, like almost like the last 10 years. <laughs> That's been hard. Um, Maybe not the last 10 years, maybe the last six years. That's still like a long time. Still a long time, yeah. Yeah. Because even when I was in uh, undergrad, my aunt was only an hour away. So if I really wanted to go take a nap over there, it's an hour drive. Whereas here I have to either drive 12 hours or book a a plane ride. So that part is really hard for me. Okay. Um, that last question for you, what brings you joy? What brings me joy? I'd say just, uh, working with my hands a lot. Um, that feels, makes me feel connected to the things I do. So I, which has also been tricky because now I'm a hundred percent out of the lab. So I have to figure out things to do at work that, um, I still enjoy. Uh, and I like that now that I'm out of the lab, I actually have more interactions with people, which is nice. Okay. And then in my home life, I like to build things with my hands for my uh, my home. I have like over a hundred house plants I take care of. Wow. I have a dog that's been with me across the country multiple times uh, named Petrie after Petrie dish. Nice. So spending time with her is great. And I still do some cosmetology stuff for myself. Um, so yeah, making sure I take time to care for myself, have work-life balance, um, and work with my hands is really important to me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Matt, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that we cover before we close up? Oh, um, let me think. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I just really want to emphasize how uh, how important it is to me to remember my roots mm-hmm. through all this. My grandparents were ranchers and sharecroppers. Uh, my father also picked cotton uh, when he was mm-hmm. young. So I just really always want to remember where we came from and where we are now. <laughs> we're, we're a family of doctors lawyers, teachers, scientists. Um, and that's just very important for me to remember as I continue my journey. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And, and our roots are important to us. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Elisa Net Lopez, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I really appreciate it. 
Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the O-Rise Featurecast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Orise Connect. If you like the O-Rise Featurecast, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. The Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education is managed by ORAU for the U.S. Department of Energy.